This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This episode contains distressing themes and descriptions of violence. This podcast is intended for a mature audience. Listener caution is advised. The ceilings were low and the space was cosy in the 15th century Woolpacking pub. Two couples were enjoying their evening meal when a commotion caught their attention. A regular patron had just fallen off a tall wooden stool, knocking over other people's drinks in the process. She was clearly intoxicated and agitated. The woman got back up and was goaded into a car, but was never seen alive again. Welcome to Season 8, Episode 22 of They Walk Among Us a podcast dedicated to UK true crime. At approximately 11pm on Saturday, July 23rd, 1983, Diane Jones got into a blue Peugeot estate while protesting that she didn't want to travel the short distance home with her husband. When the couple arrived, Diane exited the vehicle and walked to the large gate at their farmhouse. Meanwhile, her husband, Dr. Robert Jones, along with the dog, went to park his car. Dr. Jones couldn't have been more than a couple of minutes. However, according to the doctor, when he returned to the house, Diane had vanished. Diane Jones grew up an only child in Tilby near the town of Market Raisin in Lincolnshire. Diane's father, Sidney Walker, was a builder and her mother, Phyllis, worked as a primary school head teacher. 
Diane attended Caster Grammar School and not long after she left began a serious relationship with a young local farmer. They got engaged, but the relationship wasn't to last. Diane's ex-fiancé later recalled her behaviour as erratic and her mood unpredictable to the extreme. Diane later met another man whom she married for a short time, and Diane Walker, as she was then, became Diane Hutchinson. There were also changes in Diane's work life. Initially, she wanted to be a hairdresser, and even had a room allocated in the family home to carry out the job. However, Diane decided to become a social worker, leaving Lincolnshire behind and travelling over 150 miles south to Braintree in Essex. Although Diane sought to help others, sadly addiction issues caused problems. According to her father, Diane's excessive drinking started when her mother Phyllis suddenly died in the early 80s. Diane struggled to hold down a job due to alcohol abuse. With her first marriage behind her, for a short period Diane moved in with a man named Paul Barnes in Coggeshall, a quaint town in Essex with a population of just under 3,500 at the time. It was while she was romantically involved with Barnes that she met her second husband, Dr. Robert Jones. The couple lived on Lee's Farm, a Grade 2 listed property on Colchester Road in Coggershaw. A swimming pool had been installed in the garden when Robert Jones's ex-partner previously lived there. The large non-working farm was directly in front of a road, near the junction with the A120. On paper, 35-year-old Diane and 41-year-old Robert Jones appeared to be the perfect middle-class couple. On Sunday, July 24, 1983, Dr. Robert Jones swung by the Woolpack Inn and apologised profusely for his wife's behaviour the previous night. According to the landlord, Dr. Jones also mentioned Diane had gone missing, but he didn't seem worried. Jones claimed that his wife had often disappeared for days on end, which would shape his decision not to report her missing for a full nine days. Several days before Dr. Jones filed a missing persons report, he sold the blue Peugeot estate car he was seen bundling Diane into on the night she was last seen by the regulars at the local pub. Jones told investigators he couldn't recall who he had sold it to. When officers started to investigate, they followed the logical step of visiting the Wool Pack Inn. The landlord, Bill Hutchinson, provided an account of how the night had panned out. He said both Diane and Robert Jones came into the pub around 9.30 that evening with their newly acquired black poodle. After an hour and a half it was closing time and Diane had just fallen off a bar stall as she was so intoxicated. The landlord claimed both he and his wife Judith assisted Robert Jones in getting Diane in the vehicle. 
Bill Hutchinson said Jones had resorted to putting Diane over his shoulder in a fireman's carry, and they helped because Jones was also trying to get Diane's handbag and the dog in the car too. Diane was too agitated and drunk to comply. On the other hand, Dr. Robert Jones offered a different account, claiming a more gentle approach was used to coerce his wife into the car. Jones explained that he guided Diane by linking arms and helping her inside. Jones claimed that she often got out at the gate while he parked the car and gave the dog a quick toilet break because the gravel would ruin the heels on Diane's shoes. That said, Diane was wearing flat leather sandals that evening. Jones also mentioned that he had been told by his wife that she was two months pregnant. Witnesses say Diane expressed a reluctance to leave the Woolpack Inn with her husband, and she feared he would be violent. She allegedly said, I'm not going home with you. You'll beat me up. A scene at the local watering hole was evidently embarrassing for the local respected GP, who was determined to get his wife out of the pub as quickly as possible. An initial description of the clothing Diane was wearing that night was provided by the press and included a pink and mauve sundress and underwear, but no bra. Their beginnings as a couple could be seen as a breach of trust within the medical profession, especially considering the reasons why Diane Jones was visiting the doctor's practice. Diane had been Robert Jones's patient before they became romantically involved. She had initially registered after she moved to the town with Paul Barnes. She was struggling and was contemplating ending her life. She was also grappling with alcohol addiction. At the time, Diane was living with Paul Barnes and Robert Jones was married with two young children. Regardless, they began an affair and subsequently Diane left her partner and Jones separated from his wife. In a small town, it was inevitable people would bump into one another but it was seen as strange that Diane and Robert Jones would often share a drink in a pub with the man Diane had left for Jones. Paul Barnes was often seen in their company, and everything appeared to be cordial between the trio until one day Barnes physically attacked Jones, punching him in the face. Barnes was fined £25, but claimed in court that Diane had been staying at his home for a couple of days before the incident because she had fled barefoot from Lee's farm after an altercation with her husband. Diane also had a run-in with the law and she was caught driving down the wrong side of a busy road and immediately after, she stole a bottle of champagne from a locked office where she was being held. Her counsel did his best to excuse the incident by saying Diane was under great emotional stress brought about by her marriage. Diane was Robert Jones's third wife. First, the doctor married Young to a woman called Josephine, 
He lasted for three years while he was studying medicine. He was still in contact with his second wife, Sue Smith. In fact, they saw each other every day as she was the receptionist for the small practice where Jones worked. Sue Smith had remarried a local antiques dealer shortly before her ex-husband married Diane. By all accounts, she stayed on good terms with her ex-husband, who sometimes had their children stay at the farm for the weekend. The difference in how Robert Jones and Diane were treated was striking. Jones was dubbed Romeo Doctor, and many locals believed he could do no wrong, as he was viewed as an excellent physician. The opinion of Diane Jones, however, was somewhat different. She was perceived as a woman of easy virtue, leading the good doctor astray. The words wayward wife were often used. Diane Jones was known at several public houses in the area, and it was said to be a usual occurrence that she drank so much she couldn't remain upright. Her eyes became progressively somber, and the puffy bags below them became increasingly prominent in recent years. Diane and Robert Jones had welcomed a daughter before they were married. The child, whom they named Laura, wasn't in their care for long. A month after the baby was born, social services assessed the living situation along with Diane's struggles and decided it wasn't an appropriate environment for a baby. Laura was taken into care, and although she did return home twice for brief periods, it was ultimately decided that she would remain in care permanently. While Laura was Diane's first child, Wales-born Robert Jones had a daughter with his first wife and two sons with his second. Furthermore, Diane Jones wasn't the only one in the marriage who appeared in court. Around the same time as the driving and theft incidents, in May of that year, Robert Jones was in the dock for assaulting Diane. However, the case fell apart when she decided not to testify against him. Jones would go on to claim to newspaper reporters that he was trying to restrain his wife when she was out of control. He readily admitted that divorce was on the cards and used this as a reason why he wouldn't make a public appeal to find his missing wife feeling that it would be hypocritical to do so. Jones was reported to have said, I make no secret of the fact that sometimes I had to belt her. I know what Diane is like when she is drunk. Jones claimed just two months into their marriage, he came home to find his wife naked in their marital bed. Jones said he had not been unfaithful despite what he described as Diane's erratic behaviour. However, later his fidelity would be called into question. Jones claimed to be happy when he learned about his wife's pregnancy, but had doubts about the paternity, saying, You can be sure who your mother is, but not your father. Not if your mother is promiscuous. Due to the unhappiness and violent outbursts before Diane's disappearance, 
It seemed as though they were at the end of the road as a couple when she moved out into her own flat. Diane casually started to see other people before deciding to give it another go with her husband. She moved back to Lee's farm and not long after, they packed their suitcases for a two-week caravan holiday to France with friends. The atmosphere between Diane and her husband was tense and they spent most of the trip arguing. The man Diane had met during the time she had briefly moved out was a source of some animosity. Nigel Gravenstead's name would come up in the investigation as he saw Diane the day prior to her disappearance and he had also spoken with her on the telephone on the day she went missing. About five days before her disappearance, Diane Jones met a young couple in their twenties in a pub. The local pair who chose not to be identified explained that Diane became upset when talking about her toddler Laura, who was no longer in her care. She invited herself back to their home, and in great distress Diane told the strangers that her husband had left her in the pub five miles from home before the subject shifted to the complexities in her life. The atmosphere became all the more uncomfortable when Diane outstayed her welcome, far beyond the 20 minutes she claimed she would be. Although the reluctant hosts didn't think Diane was drunk, her emotional state escalated, and they found it necessary to call the police station to ask if some officers could take Diane home. Soon after getting caught in a minor car accident due to driving drunk, on August 2nd, Dr. Robert Jones's four-year-old Blue Estate Peugeot, registration plate GHK823T, was traced by police to a buyer in Chelmsford. A public appeal had been made for the new owner to come forward. It was found that the vehicle had actually been put up for sale before Dr. Jones's wife went missing. Reportedly, Jones frequently traded in cars. Interestingly, something of value was still sitting inside the Peugeot, a handbag belonging to Diane. While Robert Jones was absent from work, Officers visited the doctor's practice on Church Street on August 19th. They were seen leaving the building with one officer clasping a bag, believed to be potential items of interest gathered from the medical practice. Two days later, Detective Superintendent Mike Ainsley leading the search for Diane Jones took time out from the local mobile incident room to go to the local pub. While eating a ham sandwich lunch and playing a game of cards, he told reporters that he was determined to get to the bottom of what happened to the missing 35-year-old. I'm sure the perfect crime has been committed at some time, and sometimes you feel you know who's done what, but you can't do anything about it because the evidence isn't there. It's just one of those things but you've got to have a grudging respect for someone who tries to outsmart you. 
Ten days later, a female police officer modelled similar clothes to what Diane Jones wore on the night she went missing. A more thorough description was also released. The detective constable had spent countless hours in clothes shops researching the dress, hoping that it would trigger the memory of a vital witness. The item of clothing was coloured with dusty pink, khaki and green. The dress was made of Indian cotton gathered together to give a crinkly effect and had thin drawstring shoulder straps and a scoop neckline. It was imported from India and distributed by Fall of Brentford Middlesex. A picture of the dress showed it sitting just below the calf. Handwritten diaries had also been unearthed at Lee's farm by officers who hoped the contents would lead to Diane. More avenues of inquiry than expected were uncovered when investigators came to realise that Diane had multiple partners, not all of whom could be identified by name in her writings. A public appeal was extended, which was more successful than anticipated. Six men reached out off the back of the quote, come to us or we will come to you approach that was adopted. Around September 20th, a new bypass that ran close to Lee's farm still needed to be finished. Considering it was the last place Diane Jones was said to have been seen alive, mechanical diggers were brought in to remove tons of earth from the road. Two trained police dogs named Olympic and Zeta eagerly sniffed the newly formed mounds, tarmac and soil as the giant clumps were dumped on the ground. Dr. Robert Jones was not home to witness the upheaval. He had just landed at Stansted Airport from a three-week-long holiday in Canada and Australia, and the press were waiting at arrivals to let him know. As reporters followed him to his car, Jones was clearly unimpressed with the information and said, why don't you bugger off? He had put the farm up for sale before he went away. That same day, Diane's father Sidney spoke of his fading hope that his daughter would be found alive. I clung to the idea that Diane might be in hiding somewhere for some reason for as long as I could. That hope kept me going, but now it's faded. She's been missing for too long. A lot of not-too-complimentary things have been written about my daughter. But whatever else she is, she's not the sort to put me through all of this if she could help it. Sidney mentioned his neighbour's kindness and support in lieu of family living nearby. Meanwhile, Robert Jones made a questionable comment. None of it looks very good for me. I don't know if it would do any good if I put out an appeal for her to come back to me. She possibly couldn't come back now. Helicopters had been circling Coggeshall off and on since early August. Extensive Greenland searches were undertaken along with dredging of local water spots, including the River Blackwater and reservoirs. 
The well on the Jones's property was investigated, and a gravel pit in a neighbouring village had even been sifted through, but nothing of significance had been found. That was apart from over 100 audio cassette tapes which were removed from the property. Despite the inserts picturing classical music, sellotape had been put on the ends of some of the cassettes so they could be recorded over. Diane Jones's voice could be heard on some of the tapes, so officers confiscated them so they could be individually reviewed. Door-to-door inquiries were also made in Coggeshall, however generally the local people were defensive. Speaking about Dr. Robert Jones, one of the two GPs in the area, a local resident said, He has saved many lives, and I am sure most of the villagers will remain loyal to him. Detective Superintendent Mike Ainsley voiced his worries for Diane Jones's safety. The circumstances under which Mrs. Jones went missing has given me cause for concern. Since then, as each day passes, I have grown more concerned for her safety, which is why I will be a very happy man if I find her. I don't know if Mrs. Jones is still alive. Approximately three months had passed since Diane Jones' disappearance. Her husband was on holiday in Wales. Although it was believed he was at his father's home in St. David's, Robert Jones was in fact with his two sons in the same county of Pembrokeshire. The press managed to track him down, and while he said he hoped Diane was still alive and well, he had been the one going through a nightmare because of her disappearance. Jones remarked, Quite frankly, after all the press have dug up about her, I don't want to see her again. His plan was to drop the children off on Monday to their mother and then return to work after. It was noted that Jones had not appeared to have returned to Coggeshall since he sold the Blue Peugeot estate after his wife's disappearance. He had acquired a silver Peugeot, but that was not seen at his home or place of work. Sunday, October 22nd. Thirty miles from Lee's farm in the village of Brightwell, between Felixstowe and Woodbridge, Suffolk, near the A12 Road, a pheasant hunting party trapes through a field. At around 3pm, a pheasant beater disappeared into the woodland, driving the game through a desired route towards the hunting party. While battering the vegetation hoping for a panicked bird to get spooked and run away, in a thicket, they found a badly decomposed body. Hey folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues 
your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of They Walk Among Us is brought to you in association with Centair. Ever entered a seemingly perfect space only to feel like something was missing? That's where Centair comes in. With over three decades of experience, Centair leads the scent marketing industry, scenting resorts, retail outlets, event spaces and more, partnering with major brands like Westin Hotels and Snap Fitness. Chances are you've already encountered their fragrances firsthand, and now Centair is offering you a luxury fragrance experience in the comfort of your home. Visit Centair.com to explore their online store and infuse your spaces with unforgettable scents. Centair diffusers are sleek and fill your space with vivid fragrance for up to 300 hours. And the Centair app lets you schedule your fragrance and control your intensity right from your phone. What's more, all of Centair's more than 60 fragrances are phthalate-free, cruelty-free, safe for families and EcoVad is certified sustainable. Differentiate your space with scent. Try luxury home fragrance trusted by the pros by going to centair.com and using promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order. That's promo code Among Us for an extra 25% off your first order at centair.com. Dr. Robert Jones returned home from his trip a few days after the discovery. Officers led by Detective Inspector Greg Moss had already visited any outbuildings, bagging items that could be significant to the case. They had been granted access to the home by Robert Jones's ex-wife Sue Smith, looking for what the officers described as a few bits and pieces. Extensive searches had previously been carried out, including prizing up the wooden floorboards. The Joneses' two-acre property had been examined numerous times. Later that month, the huge metal gate where Robert Jones said he had last seen his wife before he parked the car was even removed as evidence and taken to a laboratory in Cambridge along with some fence panels from the front of the house. 
by October 26th, what everyone suspected was confirmed. The body found was that of Diane Jones. Her remains were badly decomposed, left unprotected and exposed to the elements in summer conditions, so dental records were used in the identification process. Diane's death was deemed unnatural. It did not come about by suicide or an accident. She was murdered, and four evident fractures to her skull proved it. It was concluded the object used to end Diane's life was a hammer, the type with a thick spiked edge like the ones used for mountain climbing. It was believed her body had been left in the same spot for the entirety of her three-month disappearance. Since Diane Jones was found in Suffolk but went missing from Essex, both constabularies had a hand in the case. At 8am on November 14th, 1983, Dr Robert Jones was arrested on suspicion of murder. An unmarked police car had pulled up to Lee's farm, and three detectives exited the vehicle before walking slowly to the front of the property. It took Jones nearly four minutes to open the front door. Extensive interviews with the police tallied up to over 50 hours, but Robert Jones denied any involvement with his third wife's murder and stuck by his account throughout. He claimed he hadn't rushed back from his holiday when first learning of the discovery of a dead body because the police advised him there was nothing to say it was his wife. However, an official spokesperson later denied that anything of the sort was said. Sue Smith was also extensively interviewed for 10 hours at Ipswich Police Station. Jones's ex-wife wasn't surprised, saying, I have no complaints. The police have not accused me of anything. I don't know why they took me in for questioning, but it doesn't surprise me that they wanted to talk to me. Paul Barnes, Diane Jones's former lover, was also arrested but released without charge. While the trio were in custody, Robert Jones's farm had been scanned with metal detectors. The authorities issued a statement soon after. Dr. Jones has been released on police bail until January 18th, 1984. Our inquiries into the death of Diane Jones are still being continued. In early December, Robert Jones claimed the police had tapped his home telephone and were listening to his private conversations. His accusations were branded ludicrous by officers working on the case. However, Jones claimed there was no other way the police would have known he was planning for a 21-year-old trainee accountant to stay with him at the house that weekend. According to Jones, the young woman named Heather was going to be there as it was his weekend to have his two sons. He would also be on call at work and had to have someone there if he had to leave suddenly to go to the practice or visit a patient at their home. December 1983 proved to be a hectic month for Dr. Robert Jones. 
he appeared in court for drink driving. Jones was given a 12-month driving ban and a £100 fine plus an additional £50 in court costs. He had been one and a half times over the legal alcohol limit when he was pulled over back in early August, for which he pleaded guilty. Jones's counsel tried to stop the driving ban by detailing the extenuating circumstances his client had been experiencing over the past few months. However, the judge refused to accept this as an excuse as Jones's intoxication had been the cause of a minor collision with another car. The driver of the second vehicle claimed that Jones was driving down the wrong side of Colchester Road in Essex. By the time the police arrived at the scene, Jones was found in his vehicle, but he had moved from the driver's seat to the back of the car. The officer poked his head in the window to ask Robert Jones some questions. The confined space only amplified the smell of alcohol. He was asked to take a breathalyzer test, and Jones responded, You haven't got to do this. I am over the top. I know I am pissed. I have been drinking with Mr. Barnes, and I have had six pints. You don't know how worried I am. The beginnings of a black eye were forming when Jones eventually left the scene with the officer. He was taken to the station, where his alcohol levels were tested. The arresting officer did not appear to ask Jones why he was drinking with his wife's ex-partner, Paul Barnes. More information and public appeals were released mid-month, with pictures being published of what investigators thought the murder weapon would look like. They also detailed jewellery and clothing missing from Diane's body when she was found in October. The list included beige open-toed sandals, a platinum necklace, a gold Omega DeVille watch with a crocodile skin strap, and a tan leather handbag with a worn strap. Interestingly, Jones had something to say about the information that was released. He claimed officers had got it wrong. The strap on the watch was calf leather, not crocodile, and his wife had thrown away the bag long ago. Jones said, She was not carrying it on the night she disappeared. Police already have the bag she was carrying that night. It was grey and it was left in our car until the police took it away. Meanwhile, there were more changes at Lee's farm. Two new residents had moved in. With a driving ban, Robert Jones felt he needed a driver and a housekeeper to ensure there was no disruption to his routine. He had met 45-year-old Ros McFarlane in Australia shortly after Diane's disappearance. Ros moved from her home in New Zealand with her daughter Gina. While Jones confirmed that Roz was there, he scoffed at a romance with her, telling reporters, I know I have a playboy image. It's getting to the point where I am becoming Britain's most eligible bachelor. Initially, Roz had spoken about her employer with sympathy. I'm just here to help Robert get over a very difficult period, 
she said. Then in a matter of weeks her mood shifted. She now seemed unsure about the arrangement. On January 8th, Ros McFarlane said, I don't know how long I shall stay here, but I don't think it will be very long. In April 1984, it became clear as to why Ros McFarlane left her employment with Dr. Robert Jones. He was having an affair with her 21-year-old daughter, Gina. Ros felt her daughter was naive, and the doctor had seduced her by giving Gina lavish gifts, including a horse. Ros said, I'm sure she thinks she's in love but I don't want her to become the loser in a relationship with a middle-aged man who can't accept he's getting old. Diane Jones' inquest took place at Ipswich Coroner's Court in April 1984, just a day before Robert Jones' birthday. Professor Gresham, described as a specialist in morbid anatomy, explained to the court what condition Diane's body was in and what likely caused her death. The bones and muscles in her neck were intact, but there were four depressed fractures in her skull. Professor Gresham surmised these injuries were fatal, and the expert confirmed when asked that it was highly unlikely that these types of injuries in the position they were in were self-inflicted. A verdict of unlawful killing was reached. Robert Jones claimed he was unaware of how his wife was killed until hearing it at the inquest, although he recognised why he was treated as a suspect, saying, Statistically, most murders of females are conducted by their nearest and dearest. In spite of the inquest, new information about Diane and Robert Jones was still reaching the press. A neighbour, Beryl Potter, said she had gone to the police with a diary she kept upon Diane's request, logging details of her welfare before she went missing. In April 1984, the contents of the log were made public. Beryl and her partner claimed to have taken in Diane Jones many times in the middle of the night after altercations with her husband. One night, Diane came to the doorstep with clumps of her hair missing, and another time with strangle marks around her throat. On multiple occasions, cigarette burns were visible on her stomach. According to Beryl, she had even witnessed the marks around the time Diane was pregnant. The diary also made note of Diane's condition, listing whether she was drunk, distressed, beaten or any combination of the three. This information was released around the same time that Dr. Robert Jones was told by the police that they were not at that time, pursuing him for the murder of his wife. It was, however, made clear the case would remain open. The Department of Public Prosecutions had looked at the evidence provided by investigators, but they felt that the case was not strong enough to proceed. A possible witness had come forward, but some details of their recollection had to be extracted by hypnosis. 
It was thought this would not be admissible in court. The man, clear on the date, had just gone out for a meal in Woodbridge, Suffolk. He had taken a paper menu from the restaurant, which unbeknownst to him would become vital evidence. As he was driving through Brightwell, he spotted a car and a man holding what appeared to be a rolled-up carpet. A strange sight to see near Woodland in the dark. He grabbed the menu and with a pen, wrote down the number plate of the car. At some point over the next three months, before Diane Jones's body was found, the menu on which the number plate was written was lost. It was only when her body was discovered that the witness realised he had a vital piece of information. However, it was gone, and there was no way of getting it back so he underwent hypnosis to recall the number plate. It was said to be a partial match, but this was deemed insufficient to convince a jury. Diane's grieving father felt like salt was being rubbed into an open wound when word got back to him that his son-in-law was preparing to sell his story to the News of the World newspaper. It was reported that Robert Jones would receive a large sum of £40,000 for the candid interview. Over £1 million had been spent on the case so far, and some people complained to the press that it was a waste of taxpayers' money. Diane Jones's body had been released to her husband, as he was her next of kin. Robert Jones wrote a letter to Diane's father, Sidney Walker, permitting him to bury her in a plot alongside her mother, Phyllis. Finally, nearly seven months after Diane Jones's body was discovered, she was laid to rest at All Saints Church. She had come full circle, returning to where she was raised, the birthplace of Tilby. A large wreath of white and red roses joined the collection of flowers on and around the casket that carried Diane's remains. There was no name tag attached, but it was confirmed by a member of staff that Robert Jones had been the one to place it there. He followed the coffin in front of other mourners and even went to the home of Diane's father Sidney along with other attendees. Although Jones didn't stay for long, leaving either by will or force, he was seen exiting the residence after only half an hour. Jones reportedly then attempted to get the daughter he and Diane had together back in his care. However, it was later confirmed that the child was adopted by another family. A new arrival came in October 1984, when Gina McFarlane gave birth to a baby boy. Sidney Walker, Diane's father, was asked his opinion and gave his blessings. I wish them well. It's no good being bitter all the time about these things. There had been no contact between Sidney and Robert Jones since Diane's funeral. He said, I'm not in touch with my son-in-law now and I don't think I will be communicating in the future. 
In March 1985, the police were called again, this time to a chaotic scene at a restaurant in Halstead, Essex. Gina McFarlane was crying and screamed, He's taken my baby. The he in her statement was Robert Jones, who was finally tracked down after four hours with his five-month-old son Mark at the home of his second wife, Sue Smith. This property was the location where another incident happened the year before. At a party held by one of Robert Jones and Sue Smith's sons, Gina McFarlane fled as she was upset. Later in the day, the police were called to help find her. It wasn't long before she was tracked down at a local pub. It appeared history was repeating itself. In January of 1986, Robert Jones's second wife, Sue Smith, said he had been begging for her to remarry him. Gina was still living with Jones at the time, and they had a young baby, but according to his ex-wife, Jones continually pursued her. Sue was happily married to someone else. However, Jones still allegedly offered Gina £1,000 to leave the farm. Lee's farm had been on the market off and on since Diane Jones was killed. It was eventually sold to a local builder and his family, who planned to renovate the property. A notorious tie to the murder of a pregnant woman hadn't perturbed them from buying. The former owner, Robert Jones, was married once again to a woman called Lorna in May 1989. His second wife, Sue, attended the registry office wedding with their two sons. Gina McFarlane was long gone. She had left with the four-year-old son she shared with Jones, at first living in a flat near Lee's farm, but then moving back to her native New Zealand. Dr Robert Jones and his new wife Lorna didn't plan on moving far. In the middle of July, they found a farm about five miles from Lee's farm in Stanway near Colchester. Street Farm was reportedly the house of their dreams. Despite this new chapter in his life, Robert Jones hadn't been ruled out entirely in his wife's murder. In 1990, he was again arrested and questioned for seven hours at Ipswich Police Station after a new witness came forward. A man named Paul McGill-Livery, who worked locally as a market gardener, came forward to say he had seen something suspicious the night Diane Jones was last seen alive. McGill-Livery claimed he had witnessed a man in a vehicle on an isolated road and gave the police a description. McGill-Livery said he saw what looked like a woman's leg sticking out from a plastic sheet on the car seat. However, once again it was ruled there was not enough evidence to move forward with a prosecution. Almost three years would pass before Robert Jones's name was again mentioned by the press. In July 1993, he was struck off the medical register. 
The General Medical Council found the doctor guilty of serious professional misconduct. Despite his arrest in connection with his wife's murder, Jones had continued to work at his practice. During this time, he was found not to have examined a patient with an appendix abscess. And while this issue was concerning enough, a misdiagnosis led to the death of a patient. 58-year-old Ron Roberts visited Jones's practice complaining of difficulty breathing. Dr. Jones didn't examine the asthmatic patient and instead chalked up the difficulties to rapeseed in the fields around the village. The doctor claimed he had been inundated with people with the same complaint. His assumption was wrong. Ron Roberts had a pea stuck in his lung, which caused an infection, and finally when he had an x-ray it was too late. He passed away during an operation. Ron Roberts' widow explained her husband's only ailment was asthma and that he deteriorated over a week. Dr. Jones appeared to show little concern, complaining about his own situation. How bad can it get? My wife left me two months ago because the money wasn't coming in. I face repossession of the house. The relationship with Dr. Robert Jones's business partner and the practice became frayed and ended with the police getting involved. News of this incident seemed to be the final time any developments were reported on the life of Robert Jones. Intermittently, officers working on Diane's cold case would make pleas to the public, but could do little else. In 1995, Diane's father, Sidney Walker, died at 83 years old, without ever seeing justice for his only child. Since Diane's death, the widower had been restless and left his hometown of Tealby, mainly staying on the south coast. So where are we now? In mid-2023, 40 years after Diane Jones's body was found, Norfolk and Suffolk Unsolved Case Team announced they were looking into the case once more. Interest appeared to be sparked by a recent death. Robert Jones died in March of that year at the age of 80. Jones had been living in Mont Blanc in the south of France for some time. His home was large and doubled as a bed and breakfast with a small vineyard. His final days were spent in idyllic surroundings. The elderly man blended in seamlessly with the neighbours. None knew of Jones's past. He was living with a partner when he died the last of several while Jones was based in France. The only suspect in the case had passed away, and with him went almost any chance that Diane's murder could be solved once and for all. Andy Guy of the cold case team said, The death of the suspect in this inquiry means it is unlikely we will be able to progress much further now 
as we are not currently looking for anyone else in connection with this crime. Unfortunately, we were unable to reach the evidential threshold required for a prosecution for murder on two separate occasions. If you or anyone you know has any information about the murder of Diane Jones in 1983, please contact the Joint Norfolk and Suffolk Major Crime Review Team at unsolvedcasereviews at norfolk.pnn.police.uk. Thank you for listening, and special thanks to our patrons for their support. For more information on this episode, please see the show notes or visit our website, theywalkamonguspodcast.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details hey it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad high quality fashion without the price tag say hello to Quince I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters sleek leather jackets fine jewelry and so much more with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands and they partner with factories that prioritize safe ethical and responsible manufacturing I love that Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay authenticity guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head turning handbag, a watch that says it all jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.